Fences made to keep certain things in and other things out. To keep the wild animals wild and the tame animals tame. But which are we? Hello and welcome to the Feral Christian Podcast, where the modern church, biblical accuracy, the Holy Spirit, and human personalities collide, and we try to make some sense of it. Uh, my name is Eric Jackson, and today we're going to be talking about this idea of victimhood in the church, especially with everything that's going on in our country right now. Um, and there's a lot of people who are feeling like they're losing grip. A lot of Christians who feel like they're maybe losing some power. They're maybe losing some control. And the question is, what do we do with those feelings. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, I, I can uh, see that we've had a lot of new people, and I, I appreciate that. Welcome to the conversation. Um, if you haven't had a chance yet, I highly recommend um, zip over to Amazon and grab a copy of the book Feral Christian, because that is going to be what a lot of this is based off of. It's a furthering of that conversation. But I want to talk about as far as being a feral Christian goes, where does victimhood fit into this? Because this is an unfortunate trend that I'm seeing in the church. I'm seeing a lot of people who want to point fingers. I'm seeing a lot of people who want to uh, point blame. Um, a lot of people who call themselves Christians that are simply really angry and feeling very sorry for themselves. Um, there's a lot of whining, a lot of complaining, a lot of that stuff that is going on. And so it makes me ask the question, where does this fit in to the Bible? And I think most of us would agree and, and would not argue with the fact that we as Christians are not supposed to be victims. I don't think there's a lot of people that would argue that fact with me because the scripture is, is pretty clear about this. It's pretty clear about this idea of not feeling sorry for ourselves, not saying, woe is me, not pointing fingers at people and saying, look at what they're taking from me and look at uh, what they're doing wrong and how that's affecting my life. And I feel like this victimhood is really robbing the church of power and influence and significance and authority. Um, and I believe that it is taking the name of Jesus and it's lessening the impact that it has on our world because we are allowing ourselves to become victims. And so just for some biblical grounding on this, I want to bring us to Romans chapter 8. Um, and this is starting with verse 31, and this is what it says. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, 
along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So it's pretty clear right there. I feel like I've got some pretty solid scriptural basis to say, if you're a Christian, you're not allowed to be a victim. I don't know if you know that, but that's not an acceptable approach to take in your life. That's not an acceptable way to view yourself. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, you are not allowed to be a victim. Now, are you going to go through seasons of mourning? Yes, there are seasons of mourning, but mourning something is very different than being a victim. See, to mourn is an action. There's, there's a set amount of time. It is, it is a verb. A victim is a noun. A victim is something that you are. It's, it's a way that you view yourself. And as Christians, there is no place to view ourselves as victims. It just doesn't make any sense. This same Jesus who was raised to life, who is seated at the right hand who's interceding for us, who's working for us, is there empowering us. How on earth could we possibly view ourselves as victims? How? How can we view ourselves that way? And I got to say, we're seeing this trend in the church as, as maybe the laws in this country start to shift to make worship harder. Um, As there's restrictions being put into place saying, you know, maybe what we can and can't do as as people uh, feel like their rights are being violated. Now, I want to be clear, none of these are good things. I don't want any of these things to happen. And if I had my way, none of these things would happen. But when they do happen, and they're going to happen, whether it's from our government or somewhere else, Jesus has made it so clear, we're going to face obstacles, we're going to face trials, things are not going to go in our favor. In fact, I was just reading the story of when Peter walked on water, and and Jesus was, was praying, and the disciples were alone in the boat. And before any of this happened, before Jesus even started to walk on water, the disciples were scared, and they were having a hard time. The Bible says, because the wind and the waves were contrary. 
That's the the King James Version, if you want to be fancy. They were contrary. So even before they were asked to step out in faith, they were struggling because the ocean of life was contrary to them. It was moving against them. And that's why Peter was scared of the wind and the waves, because they weren't calm. They were pushing back against. They were contrary. And, and guys, you got to understand, if you're going to be a feral Christian, if you're going to try to walk this thing out, the world is going to be contrary. The wind and the waves are going to push against what you are doing. And so this is happening here, and, and I don't like it. I would prefer that this isn't happening, but this is what's going on. And so the question is, how do we respond to what's going on? Do we allow ourselves to become victims? Because unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of Christians feeling really sorry for themselves and, 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 and wearing that victim shirt, wearing that uniform of a victim, even though the Bible says you are more than a conqueror. And again, being a conqueror doesn't mean you're not going to come up against trials and issues. In fact, it's the opposite. You can't be a conqueror unless there's something against you for you to conquer. Otherwise, you can't. You can't wake up and say, you know what? All I did today was sit on the couch and eat frozen burritos. I'm a conqueror. What, what did you conquer? It is in the obstacles. It's in things being contrary that you are able to overcome, that you are able to conquer. We as Christians need obstacles to actually live out our call. The Bible is clear. It is through the trials. It is through things being contrary to what we want to do that we are actually being made into what we're supposed to be. So why on earth would we become victims because we're seeing what the Bible has promised? Why would we become victims because we're seeing that the very thing that's going to make us become what God is calling us to be is actually happening. And it's easy on, on simply a philosophical, it's hard to say, level to understand, okay, I shouldn't do that. But I think the biggest question is, because most of us know this, because most of us know what the Bible actually says about being a victim, why is it that there is still such a big problem with this? Why is there still such a big problem? As soon as something starts to go wrong, as soon as the church uh, actually has to walk out some inconvenient things, that we are so fast to start to view ourselves as victims and feel sorry for ourselves when the Bible is so clear about that. And I actually was reading the Bible the other day, and, and something jumped out at me. And it's, it's the story of the parting of the Red Sea. Most of you know this, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to tell it in great detail. 
but there was a couple things of that story that when I read it this past time, really jumped out at me and really clarified for me why maybe some of us still struggle with being victims when we know we're not supposed to. So I'm bringing us to Exodus chapter 14. This is, this is where we are going to read from. And we're going to start at verse 10. And this is what it says. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. And that's where I'm going to stop. And and most of you guys know how this story ends. Moses, uh, he reaches his staff out. The sea parts. The Israelites walk across on dry land. And the Israelites get stuck and the sea comes in on them. And they get to see the deliverance of the Lord. But there's some things that we need to glean from this story because I really think that the church right now is the Israelites standing up against a sea, looking back and seeing the Egyptians coming. I, I believe that this is where the church is at. I believe that, that we feel as Christians like we're up against this sea, like there's this, this thing we need to overcome. And as the, the government starts to shift in a favor that we don't like, or as, as there's rules coming down that we don't like, we, we look back and, and it feels like the Egyptians are coming. And this is where we're at. And as you can see, the Israelites had a very interesting take on this whole thing. They basically turned back into slaves. Did you notice that? They turned right back into slaves, even though those Israelites were not slaves. They weren't even in Egypt anymore. They had been taken out of the land that they were slaves. But as soon as trials hit, they became slaves again. And you can see it right in their words. Even though they did not have any physical bonds on them, there were no physical chains on them, they were slaves. I can read back here. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? Now, here's what's really interesting. If you read in Exodus 14, as soon as the Israelites started talking, did you catch what word they kept using over and over and over again? 
Egypt, 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 Egyptians, Egyptians. That's all they were going to talk about. They haven't mentioned God at all. God is not in this at all because they are too busy worrying about what once enslaved them to be focused on the thing that freed them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being so worried about the thing that used to enslave you that you didn't even have time to think about the thing that freed you? And so God was completely lost in the Egyptians' mind because they had no room to worry about God because they were way too busy worried about the Egyptians. And so what happened was they allowed themselves to think like slaves. That's what happened. And when free people think like slaves, they become slaves. Because you guys probably know this, however you think is who you are. Your thoughts determine your identity. That's why the Bible talks so much about thoughts. It talks so much about protecting your thoughts, controlling your thoughts, taking your thoughts captive. That's what it talks about over and over and over again. Why does it talk so much about it? Because how you think, especially how you think when there is obstacles, is who you ultimately are going to be. And so if you can control how you think, you actually get to control who you are. Joshua was a warrior. And do you know why Joshua was a warrior? Because when obstacles came in his way, when push came to shove, when he was put in a difficult position, he thought like a warrior. Therefore, he was a warrior. David was a worshiper. He, that was who he was. I'm going to worship. Do you know why David was a worshiper? Because when things were bad, he thought like a worshiper. And the Israelites were slaves. Even though their feet were completely out of the land of slavery, because as soon as obstacles came, they thought like slaves. Therefore, they were slaves. And it's so interesting the wording that God used. The Lord said to Moses, did you catch what the Lord said to Moses, what he was supposed to tell the Israelites to do? He was supposed to tell the Israelites to move on. Get over it. Now, that's not a very politically correct thing to say. And If it wasn't the word of God, I probably wouldn't choose to put it that way. But that's how God worded it. He was telling the Israelites, you're not slaves anymore. You are not victims anymore. Move on. Stop thinking like a victim. Stop thinking like a slave. If the Israelites would have had their way, they only were willing to think the way God wanted them to think if the Israelites would not come. But what they didn't understand is God didn't just allow, excuse me, the Egyptians, God didn't just allow the Egyptians to come after them. 
He wanted it to happen. It was his plan because he was going to bring glory to his name by what happened to the Egyptians. And so here you have the Israelites not willing to even pay attention to the one who freed them because they're still so busy being slaves to a land that they're not in anymore because the one who freed them dared to want to do even greater things. Can you imagine that? Now, I need you to understand that this represents the modern church in America pretty well. Let me ask you guys this question, and I'm not saying this is true. And I didn't plan to say this, but, but I have to. What if, what, what if all of these restrictions, the way that things seem to be moving to make it a little bit less comfortable to come to church, the way that things are moving to make it a little bit less convenient to come to church, what if God is allowing this so that we will actually grow and become the church that he's called us to be? Do you think that we're going to do the same as the Israelites and say, no, if you dare to do something great, then we're going to think like slaves and we're going to think like victims. Church, if God was willing to, to rouse the Egyptians to chase after the Israelites simply so that he could show the world how great he is, why on earth would we not at least start to think that maybe God is actually moving in some of this stuff? And maybe if we got over it and if we moved on and we stopped thinking like victims and slaves, that we would actually get to see God do some great things. But instead, many of us, and I'm going to throw myself in there. I'm not saying I'm perfect. That's why I'm speaking with so much passion is because this relates to me. I'm preaching to myself. Church, we got to get over it. If you want to be a feral Christian, you got to think like a feral Christian. You got to think like someone who is courageously willing to push through the fence and understand that there is going to be obstacles. There is going to be contrary weather. There is going to be things that are not fun. There's going to be armies that come against us. But it's thinking like a conqueror. It's thinking like a warrior. It's thinking that way. And it's refusing to think like a slave, especially when you can see that your feet are not in the land of slavery anymore. Guys, we've been freed. We have been freed. And we got to start thinking like people who have been freed. And do you know what that looks like? If someone's truly been freed, 
you know what they're paying attention to? They're paying attention to the thing that freed them. They're not paying attention to the thing that enslaved them. And guys, look, I get it. This is a scary time. And there are some real questions out there about how is this all going to play out and what's going to happen and how bad is this going to get and how many restrictions are going to come down and when is enough going to be enough and what is the church's role in standing against these things. But guys, I got to just say, it's easy to say that you're standing for justice. But if the only justice you stand for is the one that benefits you, are you standing for justice or are you just scared? Because this is what God said about the Israelites. He said they were afraid. See, that's what makes you think like a slave. That's what makes you think like a victim is fear. And the Bible tells us we no longer live under the yoke of fear. We can't think like this, church. And I can't tell you how this is all going to play out. And I can't tell you what you need to do and where you need to stand. But what I can tell you is don't stand out of fear. Because that's not standing. That's whining and complaining that's shuddering and trem- trembling. Stand out of love for the one who freed you. Stand as a free man or woman who is enthralled by the one who freed you. And if you're not sure which one of those you are, here's what I'll say. All the Egyptians wanted to talk about All the Israelites wanted to talk about, excuse me, was the Egyptians. That's all they wanted to talk about. So what are you talking about? What what is constantly running through your mind? Is it the one who freed you or what you're afraid of? Because if fear is running the show, then you're going to be a victim and you're going to be a slave. But here's the beautiful thing about freedom is it allows you to stand. It's amazing. God basically told them, you've got to stand still and you've got to move on. How can you possibly stand still and move on at the same time? The standstill was referring to their heart. It was a stillness of their heart. See, to stand still is to not be afraid. It's to actually be able to stand on something. And when you can do that, that's when you actually move on. That's when you actually move past slavery. See, even though the Israelites' feet were no longer on Egyptian soil, even though their feet were out of the land of slavery, it wasn't until they moved on that they were free. In church, I believe that especially in this time, where you can see the sea in front of you and you can look back and you see the Egyptian army coming, are you going to turn back into a victim in your thoughts or are you going to be finally ready to move on into freedom? 
which means you're not going to be a victim anymore because you are focused on the one who freed you, not on what scares you. I think we're going to wrap this up. And I hope that you heard my heart today because I'm not saying that I have all the answers. I'm just saying I know who we're called to be. We're called to be conquerors, not victims. We're not called to sit around and feel sorry for ourselves. We've been given the greatest gift known to man. We have an inheritance that cannot be described. We are not victims, guys. We're free. And it's time to move on from slavery and start thinking like free people. Because ultimately, we're all so worried about getting our rights taken away. But if we are led by our fear, we're not free in the first place. So let's actually chase after the real freedom, which is freedom from fear, freedom to move on. So remember, test some fences in your life today and do everything you can to possess the land that God is calling you to possess. Till next time. What if I told you that on the other side of these fences, there is land where the Pauls and the Timothys used to walk? That just beyond these fences of church pews, traditions, and rules, there are forests that we once owned that right past the that's just how it's done and just do what you're told lay a place where we can regain what we've lost our strength our senses our power the ability to live the way we were always meant to live what if they're all still there waiting for us just beyond the fence <laughs>